Welcome back. It is the Midday Show. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Hugh Douglas Show. Jiller coming up at 11. Rhea Hughes is going to join us. Rhea is going to start joining us on a weekly basis. I'm excited for this. Rhea joined us at 11. Her yeah, take. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. Rhea will join us to give us her take on this whole Eagle situation, the talent, the culture, Sirianni, Big Dom. Yeah, Big Dom. I can't believe how many Big Dom stories we've gotten over the last, you know, three I did, months. I did. Uh, it's controlling, wild. Controlling grown-ass men. That's kind of yeah, B- Big Dom's, uh, in terms of just his, his Q rating, his stature has grown so much. His Q rating. It's wild. <laughs> it, you know what? I, you know how I keep saying they only have like six or seven really high-end players? I'm going to add Big Dom to the list. Apparently, he's that important that I should put him on the list. So, we'll go Jalen, AJ, Devontae, Mylotta, Dickerson, Lane, Jalen Carter, Reddick for now, and Big Dom. Got to put him in there because at least we're to believe that he's the reason Sirianni can't keep his composure on the sideline. I think this stuff is That's ex- a lot. It is. It's a lot. I think it's excuse making. I, I really do. I, I think the bigger issue is the Eagles aren't that good talent wise anymore. And how he's got to fix it in the next couple weeks. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four talent or culture. What's the Eagles' biggest issue as we head into a critical offseason? All right, let's get to the phone lines here and then we'll let you hear what Sirianni had to say about his passion on the sidelines. Bud is up on WIP. Hey Bud. Hey now. I just wanted to say it's definitely talent. When we came across the line, when we were playing very well, you know, you had the best defense in football history. Nobody ever did what they did. Oh, you mean the 70 sacks two years ago? Yes. I mean, it's the best it's ever been done. Well, uh, saying, you know, numbers are numbers. I mean, it's, it's I mean, one, it's one of the, the highest sack ever. totals. Yeah, it's the highest sack I would totals, have to but... tell you, no, it is the best because oh. then you go into oh. the playoffs and add them to it. Did well, if you had the playoff sacks. Okay, did I they mean, win the Super Bowl? Just, they didn't. I just say did that. Did the 85 Bears team, win the Super Bowl? Yes. We, what about we, the Baltimore Ravens? They won. The Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl. But they didn't have lead the sacks. Bud, we had the, but the, most sacks in the sacks okay, were incredible. The sacks were incredible. But they didn't have that kind of pass rush this year. It's the truth. The, the defense outplayed their coaches. The offense outplayed their coaches. They were just that good of a team. Now, everybody's saying that um, the coach you know, isn't a problem. The coach is a serious problem. He shouldn't even be a coach. He's going to defend two coaches that suck, and he's going to defend them? Come on. He's got to go. Get somebody real here. And even with a shitty team, we'll yeah, do you better than him. We lost you. But love you, buddy. Bro. Love you, bud. <laughs> bud brought the passion this morning. I mean, come on. <laughs> he didn't want to hear your thoughts on the 85 Bears or 2000 Ravens. I don't Ravens. understand. You, you like, get out of here with that. Like, listen, dog, I understand we, we, this defense played well, but when you start talking about the best, like you got to bring home a ring to be considered the best. So, right, like, right. The idea that the 2022 Eagles were the best defense of all time. No, no. they were not. But they were really they were talented. A damn good defense. Very, t- and they had seventy sacks. It was yeah, you can't you can't you can't sneeze about that. Regular season, it was the third most sacks, tied for the third most sacks in the history of football. The eighty-four Bears actually had the most with seventy-two. It was great. I mean, seventy sacks is ridiculous. We may never see that again yeah. from an Eagles defense. And I I go to this year's team. What was the biggest difference? I could say Sirianni has been. You know, immature on the sideline from the minute he got here. I could say Jalen has been stoic from the minute he got here. Big Dom's been there the whole time. Whether he was suspended or not, he's always around. Big Dom's the rock. The, well, he better not be. The, the biggest difference is the quarterback didn't play as well, and the defense went from good to really, really bad. They went to, from good to eh. No, Hugh, they were, they were bad. Bad. And that's the biggest – 
I, you know who looks you know who looks the best in all this right now? Who's that? Or is not getting criticized? Howie Roseman. The quarterback he paid went backwards. We all agree on that? Yes. The defense that he built the year before that had 70 sacks went so bad that Baker Mayfield tore him apart in a playoff game. Nah, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Nick Sirianni and Big Dom and Jalen Hurts' offseason schedule. I, I tell you, guys, I think we're missing the big picture. The talent on this team fell apart. And with that came a, a, a tough end of the season. 215-592-9494. right, let's hear from Sirianni. This was on the morning show a little while back about his passion on the sidelines. Here it was. There's a time to be passionate, and there's a time to be completely uh, calm and, and in complete control. I think I've – I've said this to – I can't remember who I said this to before, but for the longest time, like, I, I didn't take any flights growing up. Uh, we didn't go on – I didn't go on my first flight until I was 23 years old, uh, believe it or not. And for the longest time, like, I, I never flew, so I was, I was afraid to fly. And one thing that I would always do when I was flying, if, I, if we felt turbulence, I would look at the stewardess. And, I, and, and, if, and if she or he was calm, then I'd be calm. If I saw any look of panic on their face, then I started to, or any look of distress on their face, then I gripped onto that seat a little bit tighter. And I, and I think of it that way sometimes. Like, there's a time and place to be passionate, and there's a time and place to be completely calm. And I felt like in the game on, on, on Monday, I had a moment of, man, the stewardess looks, lo- looks a little bit uneasy right now. Uh, let's, you know what? And I felt to myself, that's just myself thinking, that, what can I do to be better? I'm a compassionate, competitive man. <laughs> Anytime you can throw Gabe in there, it makes it even funnier. Is Big Dom the stewardess in this? I don't know. I don't know. That, well, I didn't, I didn't want to think of that, but now I am. I'll tell you what, but that, that's a telling remark from Coach Sirianni, and it's damning in a sense with this story coming out. I mean, it really is. Like I said, I like Coach Sirianni, but when you say stuff like that and then you know that you're the leader of the team, Knowing that, like, in, th- in that story, when I talk about him, you're the stewardess. You're the one that's supposed to be the calming demeanor, the calming force. So he's the stewardess. Yeah, well, well, in the story about the locker room and blowing up and mm-hmm. yelling and screaming at people, you can't do that. Like, you, you have to be – like, most coaches are the same when on the sideline. Like, like perfect example, we, we talked a couple weeks ago about when Andy Reid and, and uh, Travis Kelsey bumped into him and how yep. Andy Reid was caught off guard and he didn't say a whole lot. He was stoic throughout that whole exchange. You, that's the way that I envision head coaches to be. I've, I've never been around a head coach that is perceived the way Coach Sirianni is perceived. Like, I, I just haven't. And, and for me, that, that's telling because the team, and you've always heard this, the team is a reflection of the coach. So much so, Joe, that you can go and listen to any press conference. Most of the time when you listen to the coach first, you will hear trigger words that the coach said that the players will, will, will repeat because that's the message, mm-hmm. because they believe in the messenger and things of that nature. Like the fact that everybody was fragmented, the fact that we still don't know what was going on in this locker room, and now coming out that coach was a hothead, that's a lot, that's a lot going on with this football team especially when you talk about the hopes and aspirations of, of, of next year and what we, we, we're trying to accomplish. 
That's a lot to digest from the coach. Well, this of week. course it is. Well, now the concern, Hugh, as we go into next season, is is he's going to be on the hot seat, right? That's going to be the story of the season. It feels like that's going to be. The yeah, case. like when those lists come out over the summer, right? They're going to have odds on the first coach fired. He's going to be near the top of those lists. McCarthy will be on it because they kept him. Sirianni will be on it, and that's just they, those odds come out. It's just like a silly thing people could could bet on. He'll be near the top of that. Hugh, what I question now, and I think everyone's going to have to question, is how is he going to handle that? He talked about his passion, his emotions, and, and things for the most part in his tenure have been good. He struggled the first five or six weeks in 2021. Then they got hot. Then the next year, everything was, was basically great the whole year. They went to the Super Bowl. And this past year, they start 10-1. and one, And then obviously the last six weeks, it wasn't good. But, Hugh, I, I do wonder, how is he going to handle a year where after the first or second loss, people are asking him if he's worried about his job? That's a lot. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's coming. And, and we have to figure out right now, today, I would, I, would, I would imagine, even though everybody's off, how we can get past whatever it is we're going through right now. Because it's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot being said. There's a lot of people leaking stories and things of that nature. A lot of leaks. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, there needs to be, like I said, this should have been a coming to Jesus moment during this course of the season. Somebody should have been slapped across the lips as soon as the season was over. This is what we should have did. We should have had these hard conversations during the season. And now that we haven't, now all these side little stories leaking out and everything like that, and it, it, it has the possibility of fragmenting the team even further. You know, you, you've said that a lot over the past couple months, that they should have had their moment, they should have had their, you know, their come-to-Jesus moment. And, and I wonder if the modern coach, athlete, play, I wonder if it happens anymore. Like in your time, right, you and your teammates, you guys work things out together. Doesn't it feel like everyone's passive aggressive can, now? Can, like I'll just can, tweet about it. I'll tell Derek Gunn about it. I'll I'll, I'll leak you, this. Can you can allow me a moment to be on my soapbox? Go you know for what it. the problem is, man? Accountability. And and I don't say that lightly. And I say it because it's the truth, because what I what I read on on social media outlets and what I hear from different people is they're always blaming somebody else for the stuff that's happening in the locker room. Hell, I didn't I didn't break any stories. Hell, I didn't I didn't tell anybody that, uh, you know, we changed the play. And you act like when, when you have people that say things like that and say that, you know, the locker room is fragmented and stuff, you act like it's not my job to respond to that. Like I'm responding to what you're telling me. Everything that all of these athletes are complaining about, you're the ones that have started the stories. The fact that A.J. Brown sat up there in, in the media and talked about he didn't kill the story about him being traded. He, he could have easily have said, hey, you know what, I'm a Philadelphia Eagle. That's the end of it. But, no, you want to get mad at somebody else because we're responding to what you got to say. Like, hell, I don't sit here. You, y'all act like I sit here every day and figure out how can I be a rabble rouser. No, I sit here and listen to what you have to say and formulate my own opinion because guess what? You ain't man enough to say what you really mean. You're not man enough to say what you really mean, so I have to sit here and speculate on a radio show every day because you're not man enough to go out there and tell everybody exactly how you're feeling. The fact that these stories are coming out about Coach Sirianni at this time, like, no, that, that's what everybody's doing. But, you know, you get mad at somebody else because we're talking about it. You're the problem because you don't want to be mad at You don't want to man up and say what's on your mind. That's, that's the biggest issue. And we're sitting here trying to figure out what you're trying to say. And then we tu- you turn around and get mad at us because we ain't got the story right. Okay, well, tell us the story then. Tell us the story. Then the fact that you got a guy on TV speculating about what happened, and then somebody else come out and say, no, that wasn't the case. Okay, well, tell us what happened then. 
because obviously something happened because your locker room was the one that got all screwed up. You're the one that had went on a six-game losing streak at the end of the year. So tell me what happened then so I don't have to sit up here and speculate every damn day. Let me know. I think you're dead on with accountability. I, I, think, I think it works in every way. Here's the issue with accountability right now. I think with the team, with whoever's leaking this stuff, wherever these stories are coming from, and even with the players themselves. The idea that someone, someone, and I have no idea, it could have been a player, could have been an executive, could have been a coach, is, is saying that this thing fell apart in part because Dom is not on the sideline. That's ridiculous. Wake up and say maybe we played like crap. That's ridiculous. Maybe the quarterback who we paid $250 million to didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Maybe the wide receiver, who's obviously pouty at times, didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Maybe the defense, including some veterans, played like garbage down the stretch. Can we just – like, why is everyone afraid of the truth here? And then we – oh, it's the culture's fault. we got to fix the culture. How about you fix the team? It's the media. The media <laughs> The media made me it's miss that pass. Fault, yeah. It's your fault, too. Actually, it's, ridiculous. I, it's, my, it's my fault. It, blame me. It, it's, I did it. It's, it's ridiculous because we sit here and you always hear people talk about, oh, well, you know, it's, it's the Philadelphia media, whatever. No, I, I, don't, I don't have to break stories. I, don't, I knew when, when all this stuff was coming out about what was being speculated in the locker room, I heard all the stories. I didn't feel the pressure to break anything because that's not what I have to do. And plus, I'm not, I'm not a gossip girl. I'm not about to go out there and gossip about something that I don't know anything about. I've never thought of you as a gossip no, girl. No, but I'm, I'm saying, but if you're going to be a guy that's directly affected by what's being said, hell, you can clean the story up by just going out there and saying what's on your mind. That, that's the easiest fix. Instead of blaming somebody else, hell, you have a platform, Darius Slay. You know, if you have an issue with what somebody's saying, then, hell, go clean it up. Hell, you're the only one in the locker room that can talk about it. I'm, I'm speculating. And if you, if you don't give me the whole story, then I'm, not, I'm left to speculate because that's what my job description is. I'm an analyst. I analyze stuff. So and here's what I'll say. 215-592-9494 to hop in. Culture talent, the biggest issue with the Philadelphia Eagles right now as we, uh, you know, we try to clean up the mess of what this season was. This is the way I view it. Their performance dictates how we all as fans react. It has always been like that. It will always be like that. That is, that is, that is it. A.J. Brown was pouty during a Super Bowl run last year. Go back to the Giants playoff game. He's pouty on the sidelines. Guess what? There's no conversations last year during the postseason about A.J. Brown being too pouty because they were winning because he was playing well. Jalen Hurts last year, stoic, looking like, you know. He, he, and it was cool. It was cool because he was playing well. No one was criticizing him for it. And then he's not playing well. That's the difference. The, your performance dictates this. You guys fell apart down the stretch. Derek Gunn didn't fall apart. Howard didn't fall apart. Greg Carton didn't fall apart. Hugh Douglas didn't fall apart. The players did. The team did. And Sirianni, and I don't often defend Sirianni because I, I don't think he's a great coach, but Sirianni was looking like a clown at the camera in a playoff game. Guess what? They went to the Super Bowl with this guy because they had a loaded roster mm -hmm. and they played well and they played hard. The clown is so strong. Though. Well, he has. He's, <laughs> he, I mean, he had the clown moment in Kansas City. Where he yells at the crowd, but guess what? They won that game. The issue is the players stopped playing well. How about – I'm with you, Hugh. You, you hit the, the nail on the head. Accountability. The lack of accountability with this group the last couple months is, is astonishing. It, it is astonishing. Bill is in Mays Landing. What's up, Bill? Hey, what's up, guys? Bill, um, what are you feeling so, this morning? I mean, I think it's silly and embarrassing that they would insinuate that the issue with the team's locker room 
is, uh, you know, the team security guard. I also think, you know, a bigger issue is that the team leaders are a wide receiver and a center when it should be a quarterback and a defensive player. Bill, I think that's a really interesting point. It is. I mean, the, I mean and, I, I, and, and Bill, a, guys, a center. You know, we all love Kelsey. We all love Brown. But, yep. like, it needs to be the quarterback. It needs to be a defensive player. You know, not a wide receiver, not a center. Like, what, what defensive player is going to listen to a wide receiver and a center telling them they need to step up when they're not on that side of the ball? Uh, I think it's fair. And the, and the most vocal defensive player is Darius Slay, and he's, he's super – uh, you know, he's got rabbit ears when it comes to criticism, and he, and he deflects all the time. It's, it's not great, Bill. I, I, I think you're right. I don't think teams that have a wide receiver as the mouthpiece tend to do very well. No, not at all. Bill, all right, it's a, taking my call. Yeah, you got it, man. Uh, you know, Hugh, the, the leadership thing on this team moving forward is really interesting because Kelsey's probably not going to be here, right? Probably he's not. probably going to retire. Fletcher's a free agent. We'll see if he comes back. Brandon wants to play here, mm-hmm. and I think he would take a small salary to play one more year here. He said that. But he doesn't play that much anymore, right? So his leadership can go far, but he's not on the field more than half the snaps. Yeah. It does help if the leader is like a player that's on the field all the time, the quarterback, a defensive player that's out there for, you know, 70% of the snaps. They don't have that right now. Not right now. But I, and that's why I think that everybody's looking to Jalen mm-hmm. to be the leader. And, and Jalen has to figure out. Like, I think this is where we get it mis, misunder, misconstrued, misunderstanding is that you're, I think people think when they think of leaders that you have to be the rah-rah guy. Jalen can be – he has to find his leadership, you know, zone where he's comfortable. He doesn't have to be that guy, but he does have to be the guy that when things go awry, he commands the respect and everybody looks to him and believes in him. He has to be the stewardess, since we're using that as an anal- analogy today. He has to be the stewardess. In this situation, when the plane has a little bit of turbulence, that they look at him in his face and they know everything is going to be okay. That's what he has to be. I'm going to give you two examples because you, you mentioned not a rah-rah guy. Hugh, I can think of two quarterbacks that have won Super Bowls in the last, I don't know, 15 years or so mm-hmm. that were not rah-rah guys. Joe Flacco was not a rah-rah guy, really. kind of like, like a stoic, you know, kind of laid-back kind of personality. I wouldn't call him like the guy you rally around. And Eli Manning, you wonder if that guy had a pulse. But the, both of those guys, they did take accountability when they stunk. And they stunk sometimes. They yeah. weren't great quarterbacks. They were good. But they, and I think back to remember when Jalen uh, was asked the question about change the plays. They said, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You got to take more accountability. Like, you're, you're the face of the team. I, I agree with you. He doesn't have to change his whole personality and be rah-rah. But you got to take, take the blame when things go wrong. Yeah. And, and that's all it is. Like, we have, like you have to, it in life, everything that we do, especially when we're dealing with other people. And, and, and this is what comes to mind immediately when I think about this. It's like a marriage. You have to find common ground. Mm-hmm. You have to find common ground. And that might mean giving a little bit or, or, or changing something that you do just a little bit to help your partner cope with, you know, trying to, to, to find that middle ground. So it, I'm not sitting here saying Jalen has to change anything that he does, but he has to let his teammates know that he has their back and he's in it with them. And, and I don't know how he does that. I'm not in the locker room, Joe, so I don't know exactly what the issue is, but he has to do that. He, he does, and he has to play better. And the defense needs to get better. How he's got to get some real talent here. The defense was terrible. They get a better defense, and Jalen you know, goes back to what he was two years ago or closer to that. They'll win, and we won't be doing this culture stuff as much. OG Wade and Chester. What's up, OG? 
What's up, fellas? How we doing today? Oh, gee, we're trying to figure things out here. Man, I'm glad we're having this conversation. Hugh, you couldn't keep it no more realer on your soapbox. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I just read this uh, magazine that Jalen Hurts is on. It's called the uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer with Jalen Hurts, uh, Rare Breed. And as I'm reading it, and it, it was all done, I guess, before this season, this season, you know what I'm saying? So it was all done, and all you hear is all the players. I'm talking about every last one of them talking about how great of a leader Jalen is, and he's different, and they never met nobody like him, and he's a rare breed. And uh, even the equipment guy, he Jalen shouted out this guy, and it went viral. You know what I'm saying? All the guys' friends and family was calling. Did you see Jalen shout you out? So he dapped up the damn equipment manager. You know what I'm saying? So now here we are today with what went on. Now we know that AJ and Jalen were supposed to have been so-called brothers, family, right? Mm -hmm. And you, you know this. When you fighting, when two brothers are fighting, what the friends do? Stand down. Nobody gets involved with that fight. So now, which leads me to this. I believe, because I can, you know, I'm left to speculate just like y'all, you know what I'm saying? Because, first of all, I don't believe these leaks coming out the locker room. Because guess what? If, they, if I believe them leaks coming out the locker room, it would be the real stuff. You mean to tell me that we all didn't know that uh, Sirianni was a hothead? Yeah, we have we eyes. Know, we, yeah, we've seen it. We, we have we eyes. We really didn't need Derek Gunn's report for that. So the fact that the real stuff ain't coming out tells me that the so-called leaders like a Jason Kelsey, like a Fletcher Cox, like a Brandon Graham, all these guys did not want to step up into that fight between Jalen and AJ. Because why? Because it will cause them to be have an issue with these, these two players or what have you. So they stand down. Now you got two, two bulls that's stubborn as hell, and that's where this team went array. You know what I'm saying? It is not hard to see. And since we are uh, led to, to speculate, that's what I know. I've been in this situation before in the locker room when we had that type of situation. No one wanted to step up to AJ because they felt like AJ probably got a little ball in him and ain't nobody want that work. Same thing with Jalen. And now here we go. So somebody's going to have to go. Ain't no bringing this team back. So you can forget that. And, and as far as talent, and this, yeah, I believe it's talent because I don't believe in culture. I believe culture is like where you was born, how you was raised. I'm, I believe in chemistry. I think the chemistry on this team was bad. I believe that the players, we on defense, we, we had so many injuries in terms of uh, safeties and linebackers. It was, it was bananas. So I, I, I'll give that up to that. But the fact that we have to get talent on this defense is what's going to move the needle here. You know what I'm saying? If you look at the coaches in that playoff game, I thought the coaches was fine because guess what? Every player was in position to make a tackle. Guess what? Bradbury didn't make the tackle. Yeah, we can't, we can't play anymore. I mean, that, OG, that, that's a big part of it. It is that they're, if they're in position and they get blown by or they can't make tackle, OG, we preached the phone call. There's not, so, there's not much the coaches could do in that situation. If the players can't make the plays, you're in trouble. Hugh, this, it's like a, this is the chicken or the egg sports thing forever. The locker room culture, how much it matters. Does winning breed culture? Does culture breed winning? 
the Eagles had something good two years ago, and then for whatever reason, and you could even say they had it through 10-1 and this year, though maybe it wasn't as great as we thought. It fell apart fast. Yeah, it did. And and I know a lot of people are calling here, and, and they're just they're, the, they're not giving culture its due. It's the culture, bro. I mean, I, I played in the NFL, not, not trying to – you know, discredit anybody the way that yeah, they feel. I don't feel. think you're discrediting. You have but a perspective few I, I of us have. I have a perspective, like, because I've been on teams that was somewhat talented. And I've seen culture change and the team do better. The, the Jets team that I was on, the 9-17, and 17, that was a culture change because that was the same team a year earlier went 1-15. Well, Parcells came in, and right? And Parcells yeah. came in. So when you tell me that – it's not the culture. It definitely is the culture because he came in and the first thing that he did, he changed the culture. Because when you look at that that roster that we had when we went nine and seven, it was basically the same guys on the team that went one and fifteen when Andy Reid got here. And you look at the players that we had. Yeah, we had some talented players, but we went three and thirteen. So it's the culture. Andy came in and he changed the culture. He changed the mentality. So it is the culture. So somewhere along the line. The culture of this team broke down, and and the team became fragmented, and we still don't know why. We're we're all speculating. We don't know what happened, and I feel like AJ Brown is the scapegoat because he's the easiest to blame, mm. because there's a history there, not with him, but there's a history of, at that position where guys have you know been a problem. Yeah, there is. It's that. It is. It's a loud position. Our two one five five nine two ninety four nine. If Aria is going to join us after the break, in studio, her thoughts on this, the culture, the talent, the biggest Eagles issue. Plus, we'll get her thoughts on the other looming issue in Philadelphia sports that needs to be addressed. That's next, along with your calls. Midday show, Sports Radio ninety four WIP. Hey, a Marybeth. I got a Marybeth coming up. All right, he, he's an idiot. Yeah, I don't have that. Read. I got 